I'm content creator Corey Walmsley, the founder of Aurora Corealis Publishing. I'm dedicated to helping women entrepreneurs make a big impact by turning the next page with tools, tips, and resources that empower and connect the dots through books, publishing, and more. Every episode includes me, along with a featured guest on my globally recognized show, Page Turner Studio with Corey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Page Turner Studio with Corey. I'm your host, Corey Walmsley. I'm CEO of Aurora Corealis Publishing, as well as an author of nine books, almost 10, uh, and a speaker and writing coach. And today we have an amazing guest. Um, we're going to be talking about how to use ethical selling as a coach with sales coach Heather Wildsmith. And Heather is a really fascinating person. We've known each other online for a few years, so I've kind of followed her and gotten to see what she's doing. Um, Heather Wildsmith is a sales coach who specializes in helping coaches and healers to confidently raise their rates while closing up to 70% of their best leads. She's known for her dedication to ethical marketing and sales practices. Heather is a serial entrepreneur coaching is her fifth business. She's also an international best-selling author and a very naughty stand-up comic, which I love that. Um, I always appreciate uh, good humor. So this is a really exciting time to, uh, to be able to talk to her. So I'm going to bring her in from the green room and we will get started. Hi. Hi hey, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you real quick before we get started, how did you get into um, doing the stand-up comic stuff? Um, originally, I got into it in the 90s uh, because I wanted a platform to talk about sex workers' rights. And um, I did it for about a year. And I wasn't getting anywhere. I didn't have a good mentor. Um, and last year I decided to give it a try again, had a much better mentor and um, got a much better response. So I was actually able to do a few shows this past year. And it's just, it's just so, it's so fun. Like it's so fun to like make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I've always appreciated that about, you know, about seeing comedians. It's like, they're just giving joy. It's so fun. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's just, I want to ultimately do motivational speaking. And so this was a way to, um, as I put it, be able to share all the dark parts of my story, but not leave people wanting to run for the razors afterwards. So I was like, let me hone my comedy. <laughs> um, so I haven't gotten to that part yet, but that's, um, that's how I got into comedy. Yeah. That's a really tough balance to strike. It's like, you have to be healed enough and ready to kind of laugh about it. Um, to make other people laugh about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I wanted to dive in and start talking about your book and all the fabulous things that uh, you were mentioning before the show. Um, so let me <laughs> scroll through my stuff here. Um, let me bring up the book, first of all. Um, this is Heather's book, The Online Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. So what prompted you to write this book? I got tired of struggling myself. I struggled for years in the industry making investments that were overhyped and overpromised and 
I wasn't really getting results. Most of the people I knew, everybody I knew in those programs, no, none of them were really getting results. And um, there was just, there wasn't, there wasn't information out there about how to choose the right coach and how to like see past the glamorous marketing or, you know, the subtle manipulation or sometimes really overt manipulation in sales practices to really figure out who was the right coach or what was the right program for you. And so um, I, it took me years to amass all this information. And once I did, I felt a lot better about my entrepreneurial journey, about the fact that I, you know, had not gotten overnight success um, because most people don't get overnight success. And I just really, I wanted to put it all in one place so that people had a resource they could turn to, to help them like investing in ourselves and investing in our businesses is necessary and it's a beautiful thing but we want to make sure that what we're investing in is actually going to help us make progress and so that's the goal of the book yeah i love that um i've been an entrepreneur for about seven years now and i know at the beginning there's that like oh my god i have to catch up i have to do something and you tend to just go okay well that looks good and that looks good so i really appreciate that you took the time to write about this and guide people on this because sometimes it's just, oh my God, I have to find a coach now. And that's really, that's the wrong energy to be coming from, first of all. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And it's good to be, it's good to be eager. The, the problem is that a lot of the marketing, um, especially for like webinars and like well, webinars that I'm showing my age, um, masterclasses, um, the, the sales techniques involved in those are very manipulative. And um, it's hard to make a balanced decision after watching them because they do a lot to like, I call it the magic manipulative formula. And they do a lot to get you flooded with all these competing emotions and neurotransmitters and then they're like, okay, make a, make a, make a decision. Well, either say make a logical decision, which you can't because you're too caught up in your emotions, or they'll say, what did your gut say? And you can't access your instincts and your gut and your intuition if you're overly simulated either, but that's what they've spent, you know, 45 minutes to an hour doing. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard to make good decisions and you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And, you know, there is absolutely a science to it. I, I love that you pointed that out. Um, and often if by the end of that, you know, masterclass, they're like, make that quick decision. Do you want in? You get this bonus. And again, that's that psychological, like, I'm going to miss out. So they've absolutely worked into, you know, making people make decisions at a bad time. So, right. Yeah. And, and let me just say, like, fast action bonuses, I don't think are always bad. Right. Um, I think that from an entrepreneur standpoint, like you don't really want to offer a fast action, fast action bonus, like for less than like 24 to 48 hours, because you don't want people that are jumping in on a whim. You want people who've really thought it out, you know, and are going to feel good about their purchase and are going to show up empowered. Um, if somebody comes in because of just FOMO, they're not going to hit the ground running in the same way. They're not going to trust themselves. Um, you're not going to, they're not going to get as great of results. It's not going to be as great of a working relationship. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I distinguish like there's, there's FOMO, like, you know, my launch is ending, my cart is closing, right? That's legitimate. Mm -hmm. um, there's some fast action bonuses. You've got to act in the next, you know, 72 hours, you know, to get them. Um, but toxic FOMO is like, I'm the only mentor who can help you with this. You know, mm -hmm. I may never offer this program again, you know, and it's like, I've been on email lists for people. 
they offer the same programs three times a year, but every single time they'll say, I may never offer this again. Yeah. That to me is where it gets into the manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that happen too. Um, and I wanted to go ahead and talk about your impactful page turner share. So uh, Heather said, sleaze-free selling converts three times better than traditional pushy, sleazy sales strategies like overcoming objections. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when I came into coaching and realized that it wasn't as easy as just putting up a couple posts and saying, hey, I'm a coach, come work with me, um, I started investing and I didn't like the marketing or sales strategies that I was being taught. They didn't feel good. They felt some of them just felt kind of like, and some of them were like, oh my God, that's unethical, you know? And um, overcoming objections was one of the most disgusting things that most people taught, you know, the way that they taught overcoming objections. But I kept being told like, this is the only way to sell. This is how you have to sell. And um, I kept, I got walking away from my coaching business because I'm like, this is, I'm supposed to be here to help people. I'm not going to manipulate people into buying. And I wasn't finding any other options. And so I kept walking away. So it was really important for me when I realized that no coaching really is my calling to find a way of, of selling that felt good. And so I started going back and like cherry picking the things that worked for me and, and leaving out the stuff that didn't and found a way of selling that I felt comfortable with. And I was doing practice conversations, like sales conversations with people. And I was like almost converting the people I was doing practice calls with. And that wasn't the intent. Like I legitimately was just going into it like, to practice. And so I was like, okay, this, this works. And so what I found is that this very, I call it like consultation style sales, where I'm really genuinely trying to diagnose what's going on with somebody. So I'm asking really good questions. I'm not just asking questions to go through the motions so that I can pitch. I'm actually asking questions and listening. And mm -hmm. I found that like I was I was able to start working with high ticket clients. And when I taught it to my clients, they started they went from having like 10 and 20 percent close rates to like 60 percent close rates. And the average close rate for for coaches, according to the International Coaching Federation for sales calls is about 20 percent. And my clients consistently close at like 60 percent. So it's it's three times better than the sleazy, pushy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you know just from what you said, it sounds like there's a lot of listening and encouraging and, you know, helping people to actually understand what the issue is rather than being like, well, you're desperate, you need this, um, which is, yeah, it, it's such a difference between those two. Yeah. And, and it's, I think what happened is that, you know, like coaches and healers, like we're all a bunch of do-gooders, right? We just want to save the world. And so sales and marketing, generally not our thing. And I think that, you know, people got into coaching and they were like, oh, I really want to do this, but I don't know how to sell. Who can we get to teach us? And I think they went to like corporate sales trainers. And that's how the coaching world ended up with this very pushy, sleazy, manipulative form of sales. And um, thankfully, we're starting to evolve out of it. It's, it's funny now because I see so many coaches and like big name coaches talking about you know, um, at more ethical practices and all this stuff. And I'm like, y'all need to catch up. I've been talking about this since 2016. <laughs> but yeah. I'm glad that people are starting to become aware of it and, and people are teaching different, different things now. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually seen like three or four different techniques out there that are ethical, that 
are different and they all like I've been approached with some of these ways and every one of them is like okay this is for me this isn't for me like they give me time like it, it just makes sense to be kind and caring and open to what the person actually wants Right. Especially in this industry, because one of the things that mentors would say, they would be like, well, this is just sales. This is how sales is done. And I was like, well, that's okay for the car industry, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I really don't think so. But I mean, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. But we're supposed to be about helping people. Like, I think yeah. that we deserve, I think that our clients deserve and us and ourselves as consumers, because you know, everybody that's a coach and a healer is so on a growth path. So mm -hmm. I, I think that it, it demands a higher level of integrity in sales. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Um, and I wanted to bring up Heather's being a page turner tip. Um, she said, so this is dealing with book sales and books and you know how, how what she's learned has impacted um, her uh, author journey. Um, Heather said, being super passionate about ethical selling and helping the coaching industry clean up and surround myself with others who share my vision has been a big help with promoting the book. So can you tell me a little bit about um, how those two things go together? Uh, so I'm passionate. You see how easy I get on my soapbox. I'm trying to actually tone that down. <laughs> And stop like stop worrying about the revolution and be more concerned with just like how can I help my you know I'm, I'm always concerned about how I can help my clients but like be more concerned about my own business and my own lane than worried about what everybody else is doing but because mm -hmm. I am so passionate about it obviously I speak out about it and you know it's one of the things like when you're being authentically passionate you're showing who you really are then it attracts the people to you that get you that you're, that you're going to get. Right. And so that has allowed me to have a lot of really great conversations um, over the years and, and figure out like that I wasn't alone. It wasn't just me that was spending thousands of dollars on these programs and really not getting anywhere. Um, it yeah. wasn't just me that was looking at these practices and thinking there's gotta be something better, you know? Um, so there's a lot of gaslighting that goes on in, uh, in, in coaching, in the coaching world, unfortunately. And um, so I felt like I was crazy, you know, but once I talked to people, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. And um, it gave me, it gave me the strength to keep going and to finally put together this book when I just had so many conversations and I'm like, God, like, this is terrible. Like people are really um, wasting a lot of money. They're going into debt. They're giving up on their dreams and like, no, it doesn't have to be like this. Um, so that was really, really important for me to, finally get the push to, to write the book. And it was over, it was about six months period that I was writing it. It started off mm -hmm. as I was trying to do like maybe a 10 page PDF and it turned into 300 pages. Yeah. But without, you know, without the support of, of people who were encouraging and were like, yeah, somebody needs to talk about this. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm the one. Um, it wouldn't have happened. And um, it felt really good to finally have this information out there. And when I'm talking to um, especially newer entrepreneurs, I, it's really great to be able to say, hey, listen, go spend nine bucks on this book on Amazon. It will save you thousands of dollars. Like you will mm -hmm. get where you're going so much faster and it will save you so much money. So that feels really good to have that resource. Yeah. Um, 
I like that you were actually listening to what other people were saying too, and that that impacted what you wrote. And I think that's a really important lesson for everybody who's working on a book is to listen, you know, find out what else is going on in the world. Am I alone on this? No, you're having the same experience. What is your experience with it? Because there are different perspectives on the same sort of thing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there were, you know, there were a lot of things like, you know, I learned for instance, um, that a lot of coaches will use use testimonials from people who are further along, like especially in entrepreneur programs. Like let's say it's a group program and they're really marketing at beginners, but they'll use a testimonial from one of their one-to-one clients who already was an established business owner mm-hmm. as and their results. And it's like, yeah, they went through the same program-ish, but they have one-to-one support and they already had like a warm audience, you know, for instance. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned that by talking to somebody and I was like, oh my God, that explains so much. And it's really unethical and it explains so much. Yeah. It's interesting that people would think to do something like that. Um, Like I understand they want to get clients, but doesn't that feel icky? So for some people, it's just, it's a matter of personal, moral, you know, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. for other people, I know that there were times that I tried some, so for instance, there was one program that had, um, a sales script written in NLP and I didn't think it was ethical to use NLP number one on somebody without their permission and number two to use NLP on them and then ask them for thousands of dollars. It just didn't seem ethical. And this was a a place where I was, I was gaslit, gaslighted. How do you say that? And told, no, there's no moral problem with it. It's just your success issues. And so against my better judgment, I tried their technique and it just, it felt awful. And it didn't, it didn't work for me because it wasn't, it wasn't morally aligned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Um, for the audience, what is NLP? Oh, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, Tony Robbins is a big like proponent for it. If you're doing it consensually, you know, with somebody, it can be really powerful for transformation, but it can also be used very, very manipulatively. I call it like the dark side of NLP and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of coaching, marketing and sales is based on this very non-consensual manipulative NLP. Okay. Yeah, that's. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, that sounds uh, really awful that somebody would do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very effective. But it's Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about the make, make an impact tip with Corey. Um, when you share a relatable story, it's easy to gather people around you who would get you. And you were talking about how you found people for your when you were working on your book who had these same stories. So your story was relatable. Um, I was wondering how else that worked, you know, when you were working on your book or maybe when you were marketing it. So um, as far as like, So I, I find that almost everybody that I talk to in the coaching industry or healing world or, you know, personal growth world has a similar story. You know, they have at least one program or coach that they invested in and it was just not at all what they've been led to believe didn't really help them, you know, get anywhere. So that wasn't, it wasn't hard to find people. There's, it, there's a few outliers that are like, no, I hired my first coach and I really did take off. And I'm like, okay, 
That's amazing. That is rare. Um, and then honestly, with the promoting and everything, I did not do a lot to promote my book. Um, I had a loss in my family right before I finished my book and I had to put it off for a couple of weeks. And then I came back and I made myself finish it and go ahead and get it published because I felt like if I lost that momentum, if I let it go too long, that it just, mm. um, but I am going to do a, I'm going to do a better, like uh, a more structured release, like later this year and um, re what is it? Relaunch it um, because I didn't do enough to get it out into enough people's hands. So that's something that's in the, in the works for me. Yeah. I really appreciate that you shared that because, you know, everybody goes through something, first of all, and we need to understand like, okay, work, work through however you need to. And you decided to go ahead and get the book out, but it's never too late to do some sort of official thing with your book. You can wait until, you know, it's first birthday or you can say, Hey, you know, it's summer now and we all feel like doing something surrounding the book. Um, so I, I love that you're not latched into that, like, okay, well, I missed my chance sort of thing and that you're being more of like flowy with it. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I got some professional branding done this year. And so I'm going to have my, my graphic artist actually redesign a book cover. Um, so the book will look a little different. Um, I don't know that I have the brain space to go in and really change anything, but I don't think there's anything that like needs to be updated at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a fantastic, like everybody who's read it said it would have saved them thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Um, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, I do need to get a copy of that and read it too. It sounds amazing. I will send you um, a copy. I will send you a copy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I want to go ahead and share the turn the page with Corey tip. Being ethical as an author means giving value in your book without the reader needing to buy something else. But it's nice to offer them something more in case they need it. Um, that's something that I always encourage my authors to do. Make sure that somebody could pick up that book, read it, and get something impactful from it. And they don't have to buy something else. But if someone says, I love this, I want more, then they need to know where to get more. Um, is that something you ended up doing with your book too? I did. I did. And so the book is not, you can kind of glean some marketing and sales um, knowledge from it, but the point mm -hmm. of it really is to help you to make better choices like in mentors and, um, and, and recognize what, what's going on in the marketing you're consuming or um, the sales strategies that are being leveraged against you. Um, but there's, I also talk about why, what I, the way that I do things is different. And there are, you know, several points in the book where somebody could go to my website and learn more about how to work with me. Um, but yeah, it wasn't set up as like a paid, uh, lead magnet or something where it was like, let me just tease, tease, tease. Like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of books that are basically lead magnets or, you know, glorified sales page. And so I am glad we're able to have this conversation and make sure people understand how to ethically write a book. Um, and one of my uh, one of my favorite tips is, at, you know, to put something else with the book, like have downloads on your website, um, have something that's, you know, a QR code or a bit link that people can easily get back to the website. So you are giving them additional value. So you have the book and then you have that something else. So people understand like, yes, I am giving you this. Um, I want you to succeed. And it also, you know, 
it, it builds a relationship with the person who's reading it. So they can come back to you, you if they want to, or they can get off your email list. Right. And, and I, you know, I had not, I wasn't aware so much that people were doing this. And so I love that you brought this up and yeah, there, there's, you know, there's an unethical way to, to write your books and there's an ethical way to write your books, but yeah, 100%, like the, the book sale, you know, especially if you're like a coach or a healer, like that book sale isn't going to be that much money, but if you can use it to really build a relationship and get them on a mailing list and let them know about other ways they could work with you to help them get even more than they got from the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's absolutely essential, you know, as, as a business owner, um, if you're just in it to sell books and obviously that's, well, even if you're in it just to sell books, then you need to be able to contact them because maybe they're, they'll, they'll need something else that you're going to put out, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's always been a, a fun thing to do too, because you can change it. Like the book stays stationary, but you, know, you can add in extra worksheets. Um, and that's a good way that, you know, if you decide, Hey, I'm throwing in some extra meditations or worksheets or whatever, you can you know start talking about your book again. It's just another excuse. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And very ethical, very like, that's, that's what I like about the, the form of selling and marketing that I've, that I've settled on that feels good to me. And like with my clients, I'll teach them what I know, but, or I'll help them optimize what they do. I'm not stuck on in a, in a box. In a box. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. 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 So I've, I've wanted to ask you while we're on here, are there parts of your story that you've been nervous about sharing because it would turn people off? Um, we have developed an echo. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? No. Okay. <laughs> I unplugged my microphone, so maybe that, maybe that'll take care of it. Hello, hello? Hello, hello? No, I'm still hearing no, it. I don't have a microphone to plug in. I'll try to just push through it. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty transparent, you know, um, I, my, my crazy journey of my life as a sex worker, um, I was a drug addict. Um, so I'm pretty open about things. In the last couple of years, more has been revealed about my childhood. And I, because I'm still feeling that right now, I don't, I'm not talking about it. So I've been kind of like, talking about personal things on uh, social media. But, but I've talked to enough talked to in my personal life to know that a lot of you know it's 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 nothing new under the sun. Unfortunately, I want to be able to share transparently about my journey because it because it's I'm sorry the echo's getting to me because I want people to understand exactly like how how dark it's been and how how much transformation is possible to inspire them to know that like, no matter what you've been through, like you can overcome it. You can um, find a way through and be better on the other side. Uh, So that's why it's important for me to like really heal this stuff so I can talk about it. But then I've got to have some humor in there because if I hadn't been able to laugh at my life, I would have taken myself out a long time ago. So, I mean, humor is like, it's, it's a coping mechanism. Um, I think it's, it's going to be a necessary dose. I think people are going to need humor and truth in order to 
be inspired and get what they need from my story. Yeah, I love that. Um, I like that you, um, you know, you said there are pieces that you're not ready to share yet and that you're waiting until, you know, you've had the healing, that you're ready to share that. And then that's when they might come out or they might not. And I know a lot of people I talk to about their stories when they have pieces that are uncomfortable, they'll say, oh, but I have to share this. You know, somebody told me I have to write a book about this. And I'm like, you don't feel ready. There is absolutely no reason for you to share this yet. You know, that's going to be your story forever and you can share it when you're ready. Right. And there's, you know, uh, part, part of my, um, my purpose, my mission is to be really uh, like far more transparent than most people are comfortable being. And that may be shifting a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm having like a world rewrite <laughs> for myself, but, um, you know, I tell people like, you don't have to share as transparently as, as I do. Like you don't have to put your dirty laundry out there. Um, I know some people that, you know, they will allude to it um, so that, you know, that they've had some hard things in their life, but they don't like kind of public facing, but they don't share more details about the story unless you're actually in a container with them. And it's, and it's never like you're sharing your story to like make people feel bad for you or to um, glorify yourself. Like you're telling the story because you know, they're going to relate to it and it's going to help them in some way. So it's like, it's very much, I think you could harm yourself. Like you could actually undo some of your healing by sharing something that you're not comfortable with, you know? So no, nobody ever has to share anything. Yeah, I think you made a really good point there at the end that you can actually kind of do uh, some harm to yourself by sharing before you're ready. Um, yeah, I thank mean, you for sharing. <laughs> no, you're, you're welcome. I mean, just sharing, sharing with, you know, um, family or friends when you're not ready, you know? Um, you know, I think hopefully if you're in therapy and you sh if you're dealing with some kind of trauma, I highly recommend it, um, you know, sharing with your, with your therapist, um, you know, absolutely. But like even sharing just privately amongst friends, sometimes it's, it's not the right time and it can, it can kind of backfire, you know, um, if you're in a vulnerable place and you share the wrong thing with the wrong person, you know, but especially to like talking about it on social media or to write a book or do you know, a video blog about it or something like that, that can be very helpful. It could be a lot of healing that's already happened. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's a lot of really good stuff for uh, people who are thinking about writing books and need to kind of work through some muck first. So I've, before we hop off here, um, I wanted to ask you, we're going to circle back to your specialty in sales. What is your favorite sales tip? To go into any sales conversation, not with the intent to close, but to in, the intent to discover if you actually want to pitch. Right. And that mm -hmm. keeps your brain, your brain open to really figuring out what's wrong, what's not wrong, what's going on with this person um, so that you can really make sure that you're the right fit, that you're the right person to help them. Um, it just changes the whole energy of the conversation. If you're not going into the call with the intent to pitch. I love that. That's actually one that I had been taught a couple of years ago by one of my mentors too. And it's really game changing to go into a conversation with that feeling. Just we're two people having a conversation. 
I'll see what happens. I'll see if I want to actually pitch them. Because sometimes we do end up on a conversation and halfway through we're like, oh my God, I don't want to work with this person. That it's a huge, huge thing that I go over with my clients about, you know, not only knowing your ideal client avatar, but also knowing your nightmare avatar so that you can recognize that person and run away quickly. <laughs> That's a great tip too. Um, so thank you so much, Heather, because we had so many great things that we talked about today. We got to cover sales and books and strategy and that was really Mama. wonderful. <laughs> all the good stuff so thank you for having or for being on our show and i'm gonna drop you back to the green room and we'll close out thanks for having me bye bye awesome well that was another wonderful show um we had heather wildsmith on today and uh, she has an amazing book we got to talk about all kinds of cool stuff so join me for any for uh, another episode of Page Turner Studio with Corey. They are on at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Pacific time and 9 a.m. Central, where we will be featuring even more amazing guests who are authors. And of course, all the episodes are available online on Vimeo and YouTube. So have a page turning day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me today. You can learn more about me, my products and services at auroracorealispublishing.com. Make sure to join me for another episode every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Central on my globally recognized show, Page Turner's Studio with Corey. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one -on -one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast.